Discover FX's Shogun, the official podcast available now. Every legend begins with a story. Listen and explore episode by episode the story of war, passion, and power set in feudal Japan. Join host Emily Yoshida each week with the creators, cast, and crew in this exclusive companion podcast. They dive deep into the twists and turns of the plot, go behind the scenes, and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts. Tax season is approaching, bringing potential extra cash your way. Rather than spending it all on an expensive deal filled with yada yada from your current wireless plan, consider switching to Metro by T-Mobile for no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada you don't take yada yada in life don't take yada yada from your wireless provider metro by t-mobile has no contracts no credit checks no surprises and nada yada yada stop by one of over six thousand metro stores nationwide this episode of Stuff They Don't Want You To Know is brought to you by Alienware. During Dell Tech Fest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor. Featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Plus, build your dream setup with great deals on select game Gaming monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at Alienware.com deals, you'll have access to leading-edge gaming technology to conquer the competition and free shipping on everything. Amazing prices await you for a limited time only at Alienware.com deals. That's Alienware.com deals. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota. Let's go places. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. We are joined in spirit by our super producer, uh, Noel, the Madman Brown, who uh, will be returning. His uh, absence will hopefully make uh, the heart grow fonder, right? Certainly. It will for me. Yeah. And um, they call me Ben. You are you. And that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. Again, here, closer and closer to the end of 2016. Reminds me of that Yates poem, Matt. Uh, what rough beast this hour come at last slouches toward Bethlehem? Do you yeah, remember that? I do remember that. The second coming, I believe it's called. Yeah, I am certainly ready for 2016 to be over, though I do dread a bit of what the next may uh, bring. <laughs> what will happen in 2017? Yeah, yeah uh, that's the um, that's the matter of perspective, right? The most frightening thing uh, that people can think about 
when you look at the future and turns of events is uh what if people in 2050 look back on this as the good old days oh i was gonna say they will definitely <laughs> they but you know <laughs> well the world is big it depends yeah. on where you live right and mm-hmm. uh even perhaps more importantly what your position in a given society has been and that's something we're exploring today much of human history has been a study in unequal rights Either uh, by uh, this constant conflict, right, either by groups striving for better representation or other groups fighting to maintain a system of oppression that benefits them. You know, I'm not a big believer in hierarchies. I think they're garbage. I think they're for the birds, not even the cool birds like the crappy birds like uh, seagulls. Right. Yeah. That- I haven't seen many crow hierarchies maybe there are some oh there are there are (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure there are um but you're absolutely right i i don't like these things hierarchies in general i understand why they're necessary for some some people but uh philosophically and historically they're used to oppress the many for the benefit of the few that is what happens with hierarchies whether you're talking about the tribal system uh, in the UK, which continues to exist, of course, uh, I guess people feel better about it when we call it an aristocracy, or whether you're talking about continued cultural repression in other countries, uh, it, it all boils down to the same thing. And it's a source of uh, massive conflict. And these conflicts have occurred, the cycle of conflict rather has occurred multiple times. In the U.S., for example, we have the struggle for civil rights. That was, again, a group of people who were benefiting from a system of oppression versus a group of people who were, uh, who were losing out mm-hmm. because of that same system. And the reasoning behind these uh, these oppressive systems are based on so many different things. There's so many different reasons. I know it sounds like I just picked on the United Kingdom and I just picked on the United States, but these are just two examples. Like uh, there are multiple kinds of oppression. Yeah, you can go to gender discrimination where you're looking at male and female and one is treated differently. Uh, over the course of history, it's largely fallen on the females who have been oppressed in this way. Mm-hmm. But let's not forget Women in the United States could not vote, yeah. couldn't vote for president, couldn't vote for anything just a few decades ago. It hasn't been that long. Uh, yeah, right. And as we record this, uh, this country and uh, many other countries in the West are in the grips of a new kind of gender discrimination with uh, people who are trans. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the the idea that. um a person who identifies as female, but was biologically identified as a male at the time of their birth, uh, is that that's becoming a huge legal issue here in the U.S. in 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there are other things too, right? There's the uh, untouchable caste of India, and these folks have um, have endured horrific discrimination, mm-hmm. and, and the government, of course, has taken steps to try to mitigate this situation. But the caste system of India is not something that's going to be swept away by a convenient law. You know what I mean? It's it's too yeah. deep set. Then you have various systems of slavery 
everything uh, from chattel slavery, like in the United States, for example, uh, back in the day, wage slavery, bondage labor, mandatory minimums, and uh, and prison labor. I mean, it's a version of it. It's yeah. not outright slavery. But oh, wage slavery. Yeah. That might have to be its own episode. Yeah. Yeah, we can talk about that. We should uh, definitely have Nolan for that one. Does anybody want to write to us and, and let us know your opinion of wage slavery? Actually, this is a sidebar. This is a sidebar. Okay, here. okay. Um, could I ask what your first job was? My first job was working poolside as a server at the Piedmont Driving Club. Fancy. And then I got an internship here. So I've got – I had two. <laughs> Oh man, okay. Um, without going too deep into my past, because I don't usually say that sort of stuff. My first legal job was at a, uh, at, at a grocery store. Nice. And I tried, eventually, I tried, Matt, to get fired. I did numerous things. They just wouldn't fire me because the other people at the grocery store were that bad. Wow. And so eventually I just stopped going. Man, you weren't worried about the stigma of being fired from one job? No. I went ahead and <laughs> told them that I was just going to stop showing up because I'm getting another job. And I got a different job and then just stopped going. That was the only way. Because I had said I'll quit before mm-hmm. and they would call with a with a follow-up thing. But it was just very strange. It was a surreal situation. Sure. You know? I, I feel like you're opening up more than I've heard you open up in a while, so I want to keep going, but I know we have to continue uh, with I'm the I'm setting it up because, okay, let's – you were a servant. I was a grocer. Those are types of occupations, right? Sure, sure. I mean, I was still a servant, so. Aren't uh, we all? <laughs> well, most of us. Uh, there's also ethnic or so-called racial discrimination. That is when you hear about mm-hmm. minorities being uh, being persecuted or when you hear about – Groups that maybe to an outsider seem pretty much identical. Sure. Right. When you hear about these groups having bitter, bitter rivalries, uh, one famous situation in Europe, of course, is the Roma, uh, who have, uh, met numerous types of prejudice and discrimination and stereotyping. And have, in many cases, never fully assimilated into the local culture of wherever they are. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a lot of that has to do with cultural differences and clashing mm-hmm. with whichever power is seen as the norm or whichever group is seen as the norm in an area. And then there's cultural discrimination, right? Uh, yeah. One big example of this would be World War II era Japan's nationalistic superiority complex over China and uh, the puppet state of Manchuria that they mm-hmm. built. They did unspeakable things. Uh, and they did it because they thought the other people weren't like really human. Yeah, that's a common theme. That's a common theme. And then there's religious discrimination too, right? Yes, and for examples of this, you can look to Catholic persecution of Jewish peoples, uh, Protestants, Native peoples in colonized countries. And you can also see this in the various forms of discrimination practice between uh, Islamic and Jewish cultures. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's another aspect to this, however. 
And this is the, the strangest thing, ladies and gentlemen. In some cases, societies have no concrete reasoning behind a discriminatory practice. None. Yeah. I wanted to say that I feel that a lot of times there's not that much of a concrete basis for a lot of these discriminatory practices, but these in particular that we're about to look at just feels like why? So, yeah, for instance, the uh, Barukamen of Japan were historically treated in a manner very similar to the Dalit or untouchables in India, despite the fact that they are not just not just visually identical, but genetically identical to mainstream Japanese population. And they are practicing Buddhists and they are not in almost any other way distinguishable from the rest of Japan. We're talking about discrimination based on name or neighborhood. But today, ladies and gentlemen, yes, there is a point to our yes. brief exploration. Uh, today we're looking at another, perhaps lesser known example of a similarly mysterious case of persecution. It's a group of people known as the Kago, also Capo, Ago, Gahet, or Christia, which stands for Christian. Right. So who are these people? What's going on? Why have most of the world's population never, ever heard of them? We will tell you after a brief word from our sponsor. Smart journalism, fascinating topics, words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real, live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. Oh, <laughs> I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All oh, my friends love it. I love that it's kids-safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. 
Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Welcome back. So we're looking at this group called the Kago. Now, historical records have proven that for centuries, communities in western France and northern Spain practiced brutal systematic discrimination against this group of people. The there there was a system that was well established and it was oddly uniform throughout much of France. Right, because this is unusual because at this time people weren't uh communicating as easily as people communicate mm-hmm. today, which means that there's a lot of drift or creep in local customs. And this was also one of the reasons why Heresy was such a big concern for the Catholic Church. Let's say there's a church. It's kind of isolated. It's out in the Alps or something. Nobody's seen these people for 15, 20 years. They're getting some weird ideas and changing stuff around. Doing some weird things. Right. So this happened. This happened constantly. And the that is uh one of the reasons why the persecution of uh the persecution of Cago in France and in that area of Spain is fascinating. Now, of course, it evolves over time, but it seemed to have a very oddly specific uh, Mm -hmm. system to, you know, to this persecution. And the Cago were Catholic. They were, they were just as Catholic as their neighbors who were not Cago, but they were only reluctantly allowed into the auspices of the church. Let's talk about some of the community rules applying to these people. Uh, they could not take communion the same way as, I guess, the more legitimate mm-hmm. people of their community. They had to enter and sit in separate parts of the church, and they were also buried in separate graveyards. And when it came to the church, there are several instances of uh, churches that had entrances just in the back, you know, smaller doors right. that appear to be that's what they were for. Some of them have signs that even have the word Kago or one of these other names mm-hmm. referred to them as it. Mm-hmm. But there were also a few that had uh, strange entrances where you had to climb up a ladder in order to get into another ladder system inside the church. Fascinating the lengths that some of these churches went to to separate this right. group of people from the rest of their flock. Because they were seen somehow as tainted or yeah. dirty. Yeah. Uh, they were also not allowed to walk barefoot, which gave rise to rumors that their feet were webbed. And in some places, they were required to wear a badge that was occasionally in the shape of a goose's foot. Yeah, and it was red. Yeah. Just a red badge that you had to wear. Sounds, red-footed. I was going to say, uh, again, sounds familiar to historical references. Oh, right. Insert yes. here. Right. Um, oh, and also they were only allowed to make purchases in town on Mondays. This is according to an 1848 yes. uh, account. Yeah. So this already sounds weird, but it goes on. They were restricted to certain trades, particularly carpentry. Uh, this led to situations in which uh, uh, Kago may end up building the very same church mm-hmm. that's going to persecute them and their family later. Talk about a head trip, huh? Yeah, a little bit. And we're, uh, by the way, one of the great resources we got for this was a 
from an author named Daniel Hawkins who wrote a paper called Chimeras That Degrade Humanity, The Cago and Discrimination. So we uh, we found some other things here. I, I want to read a small selection from this paper. Restrictive legislation concerning Cago appeared many times after 1288, which is when we see more detailed municipal records. Mm-hmm. While details differed, prohibitions typically expressed similar concerns. They required that Kago were segregated in their living quarters, occupations, and day-to-day interactions. They were forbidden from marrying non-Kago. They could not enter taverns, hold cabarets, use public fountains, sell food or wine, touch food in the market, work with livestock, or enter a mill. They were not allowed to carry arms other than professional tools. And this goes to the example we talked about earlier – there was a severe and brutal punishment for transgressors. So if we go back with our time-traveling hypothetical French Matt Frederick, which, by the way, I'm liking this character. Okay. I see him in a beret, but I don't know if that's historically accurate. I, I don't think so, but well, okay. let's go with it. What about a, what about a cassock? Yes. <laughs> cassock. Yes. <laughs> All right. So if we go back to that time where, where our, um, Oh, Matt, what's your French name? Uh, Pierre? Pierre. Okay. All right. Pierre Frederick. Uh, when Pierre Frederick is walking by, uh, he may and sees that hand being nailed to the door. He may well have not said a word if he was familiar with the discrimination against Kago because we know it's happened several times. One Kago merchant was punished for touching the main baptismal font uh, by having his hand severed from his arm and nailed to a door. I don't think it was the door of the church, but that would be that seems like that would be a bad idea. Nail right. a severed arm to the place where everybody's going to enter. Just the yeah, hand. The hand. Sure. <laughs> Just the hand. Uh, so, there was another account yeah. of a man who allegedly uh, grew food on his land and farmed it. And he had metal spikes uh, pushed through his feet as punishment. Wow. That's, that's very, it's very odd, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, it's disturbing. Again, when you consider that these people, although you might have heard them described as swarthy at some point, mm-hmm. uh, I also read something where they were described as being fair skinned. Yeah. There are widely differing accounts of how, what a Kelgo looks like. Right. Uh, rumors about them were wide ranging, rampant stuff. Uh, we can just go down the list, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. They, they were viewed as heretics, like we said, despite their regular attendance to church. Despite being Catholics, they were viewed as not being Catholic. Yes. <laughs> they were accused of being lepers, which we'll get into. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was, there were rumors about them holding secret meetings for nefarious unknown purposes. Yeah. Again, we see this throughout history. Like, what are they meeting in secret about? Are they actually meeting in secret, dude, or are you are you just a little paranoid? Anyway, uh, they're uh, probably saying, "Hey, how, uh, does everybody have their hands?" Yeah. How? What are strategies we can use to not be as persecuted? Yeah, we're pro hand. Uh, yeah, they're also accused of being descendants of uh, Gehazi. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but this was the wicked servant of the prophet Elisha. And, you know, being the children of this person, it was believed that they were all cursed 
with mm. the curse that was placed on Gehazi. Oh, uh, that's that's similar to the old uh, Latter Day Saint policy of discrimination against uh, against darker skinned people, mm. right? Uh, yeah, Gehazi uh, is a figure found in the Book of Kings. Yes, he was in a position of power, but he was corrupt. Uh, Rudyard Kipling wrote a poem about him, but I can't remember exactly what it was. Uh, yeah, so this some this was something that was common uh in this era of christianity which was to find a biblical basis however tenuous to rationalize mistreatment of an individual so it's a long book if you read closely enough and think creatively enough you're bound to find something and I want to note here, uh, so his big sin was avarice, right? He was stealing stuff. He was racking up change in his master's names. Tricking uh, people, yeah. Yeah, and uh, he was guilty of duplicity and dishonesty, so Elisha the prophet denounced him and passed upon him the terrible doom, and this is a quote from King's, that leprosy of Naaman would cleave to him and his descendants forever. Yep. So that's where you pull some, you know, mm-hmm. someone in the church mm-hmm. uh, believing that to be true. And hey, here's someone I can apply that to. But but this curse came with uh, at least some allegations of dark powers. Isn't that right? Yeah, there are there are allegations that they were sorcerers. Uh, it was believed that they could bewitch cattle, which sounds a little more fun than it probably should to me. It sounds like the, it, you know, of course, these are largely agricultural communities, mm-hmm. but right now it sounds like one of the most useless superpowers ever. Be whether you're, cattle. whether you're uh, a, uh, a villain or a hero, you're pretty much restricted. You have to live around livestock for it to even matter. Yeah. The I'm, cattle witcher is not going to be a threat in New York city. Gosh, that's a great character though. <laughs> The Cattle Witcher. The Cattle Witcher. On the next episode of The Cattle Witcher. (laughs) Yes. Um, It it was also believed that perhaps they had the power of the evil eye, where if they stared at your child long enough, or anyone really, Mm -hmm. they can cause terrible things to happen to them. They could curse with a glance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, And this this ties into some of the more wide-ranging accusations of paranormal ability that occur with this sort of persecution uh you'll also hear stuff about being able to poison wells mm-hmm. or being able to you know when they're talking about bewitching cattle they're talking about the cattle falling ill or perhaps miscarrying mm-hmm. during birth and stuff like that well yeah that's why they weren't allowed to touch food it was it was believed that any food that they touched no matter at what stage that's why you can't farm it will rot Immediately will be soiled immediately. You cannot eat or, you know, do anything with edible objects that are touched by these could go. That's the belief. Cattle witchers. <laughs> I'm stuck on it now. Cattle okay. witchers. Uh, yeah. So you also find that in the real estate, right? You find evidence mm-hmm. of this belief in the real estate. Oh, yeah. With these powers. That's why a lot of times you would see their their residences, the areas where they lived, had to be separated by some body of water, a stream of water, mm-hmm. just enough to where 
those mystical powers can't carry over because their beliefs about how magic operates. Today, you're not going to hear much about the Kago. No. Fa- families that discover this heritage in the modern day often will hide it in fear of continuing low-level discrimination against their spouses or their children. So very, 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 very few come forward in the modern day. And the population itself was always relatively small in comparison to, you know, the rest of France and Spain. Uh, now it seems set to fade into nothingness, but there's still so many unanswered questions. Matt, who are these people? Why did they become the repressed class? And, and maybe most importantly, where did they come from? These are all questions we're going to look at right after a word from our sponsor. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like, da, 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. Here's where it gets crazy. No one really knows. No one knows for certain where the Kago originate. Yeah. But there are some theories. There are many, 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 many theories. Uh, but uh, they are of a varying plausibility and they are 
all somewhat fascinating, I would say. For instance, were they the descendants of Moorish soldiers who, for instance, during the uh, Muslim conquest of Spain or areas of Spain, uh, simply migrated up and out into France? It's a possibility. Yeah. Did they begin as a guild of skilled medieval woodworkers with their persecution rising as a form of commercial rivalry that eventually got solidified into tradition? So people didn't know why these dudes mm-hmm. were dirty, but they knew that their parents thought that. What if they were Moorish medieval woodworkers? Mm-hmm. And, and so this, yeah, this ties back into the question that I earlier asked you, Matt, about your first occupation. Mm-hmm. Because the strange thing is that if we lived in a different society or we lived in a, even a different time period, we would overwhelmingly be likely to continue the work that our parents did mm-hmm. uh, as even a guild or caste or something. So, Because we would be apprentices, mm-hmm. hopefully, if we were lucky right. and talented. So if your father's a cobbler, you're a cobbler. If your uh, father is uh, an mili- accountant, yeah, then you're an accountant. If your father's a military officer, you follow the same thing. If your father's a cattle witcher, um, then you are also... <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sorry. You're also a cattle witcher. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let it go. I'm not in any way condoning the bewitchment of <laughs> livestock, of cattle. They've got it tough enough, right? I, however, I am uh, 100% bewitch all the cattle that you possibly can and then tell me how you did it. Write to us. Conspiracy at HowStuffWorks.com. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. Yes. Yes. Please uh, let Matt, no, the source of your dark bovine-related powers. Uh, so the thing that we see here that's strange is that when people had less social mobility, when your parents or your grandparents' occupations would largely determine your own occupation, we also see a uh, society where certain occupations are considered more valuable than others, or maybe a better way to say it is certain occupations are seen as much less valuable. For instance, executioners had some of the same uh, laws against their behavior as did Cagot in, and this was in Germany, perhaps an executioner can't, go to the bar, can't touch food or drink around people uh, because the executioner, like his father before him, makes a living by killing people. Yeah. And that's seen as, you know, morally reprehensible, but necessary for society. And we see this in some other cultures, for instance, uh, working with hides or disposing of human waste. Yeah. Like the untouchables, right? That would be... That would be a lower caste job. So, and a lot of it yeah. seems to arise from uh, almost it's a it's a combination of lack of scientific understanding mm-hmm. of how some of it works, a lack of technology uh, for cleaning, like uh, and being able to cleanse oneself after working a job such as killing people or you know taking the hides off of animals. Sure. You know, this perception of unclean. I mean, it's rife with disease. This is before germ theory. And it's true that it is. Like, it actually is. 
So the not having the technology also creates that system where somebody in the historical record experienced, you know, drinking with the executioner who happened to kill somebody who had a terrible disease. And boom, next thing you yeah. know. Yeah, I mean. Kuru. No, I'm well, kidding. Well, no, but I can, I mean, that's just how it happened. It's just the only way that it happens. Right. And it's something that people accept. And also, of course, I'm just saying kuru because I like the word. The only way that somebody can get kuru is by consuming, uh, brains, human brains. brains. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which will give you those prions, um, which are bad news. Uh, speaking of bad news, Matt. Yes. I just realized something. If your avatar in the Middle Ages there in the Pierre, th- mm-hmm. okay, Pierre <laughs> in the 1300s, right? Yes. Uh, if if he's wearing a cassock, it makes your situation even worse. No, because you're probably the priest or <sighs> a priest. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, Pierre. I have a lot to get ready for. There's a mass later. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want him to get your, you don't want to, you maybe even want to help the guy, but you're like, I'm not getting that filthy cago blood on my cassock. To use my shoe to open the door. (laughs) Use my shoe to open the door. Quick, everyone, check the cattle. Uh, so there's this other idea that they were descendants of earlier, uh, cultural groups and that this somehow made them not worthy of trust mm-hmm. or made them tainted, made them somehow other, made them threatening to a degree. And one would be that that they were descendants of the Goths. The Kago first appear in records as early as the 10th century, but they became more prominent from the 13th century on, and they were in both sides of the Western Pyrenees, uh, they lived in these small, poor, segregated communities on the periphery of these uh, villages and towns. So they've been around for so long that it's easily, easily understandable that someone would rationalize persecuting them by saying, well, you know, you remember those other guys from centuries ago? Yeah, it's them. Yeah. Don't trust them. And there are a couple other theories about groups that came through France and Spain as conquerors at one point or another, like the Saracens, mm-hmm. uh, like they're again, remnants who perhaps have uh, switched over to Catholicism and now they, they continue to live in the area. Their families do. Yeah. And, you know, they're bad news just because of that. Again, these are all possibilities mm-hmm. and maybe Ben, it's a, a range of these. Like it's a combination of all of these things, of just people that look other. Yeah, yeah, possibly. Uh, like the, we'll get to the uh, con- the conspiratorial angle of this, but there are more than you might think because obviously we're looking at a mainstream community that conspired to repress a very small minority, uh, which is odd because I think in the 1600s. The Kago were maybe 2% of the population, so never, never in large numbers. Um, although I did real, remember some, some other stuff I, I wanted to mention. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you found this in your research, uh, some more specificity about Kago. So like okay. you, you and I said, they were described as fair skinned by some, as swarthy by others. 
dark skinned, dark skinned, uh, light skinned, the earlobes. Yes, thing. that's the thing. That's what I wanted to mention. They uh, supposedly lacked earlobes and were mis- magicians, sorcerers, had uh, an infectious, terrible odor. They were mm. always accused of smelling bad and they gave off great heat. Here's what? a quote. When the south wind blew, their lips, jugular glands and the duck foot mark under their left armpit all swelled. What? Yeah. So, uh, they, okay. So they are considered to be smelly, to have these strange physical, uh, ailments. Mm-hmm. And that goes to one of their biggest rash, one of the biggest rationalizations for per- persecuting these people, which was that they are lepers and cretins. So I'm familiar with lepers. That would be uh, several. I know that encompasses several different diseases sure. of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a lot of it has to do with infectious disease that could be transmitted mm-hmm. uh, easily if interacting with this person, right? And that would make sense. Uh, make sure these people aren't interacting with the everyday public as to not kill everyone in the village. Right. I mean, that that makes sense. Yeah, so one of the prevailing beliefs among historians about the Kago is that leprosy was the essence of this phenomenon. People used to think that leprosy was inherited, right? Oh, wow. Okay. It was a, a poison of the generations in the blood. Uh, however, even after people knew that leprosy was not a, a purely inherited trait, you know, that could communicate between unrelated people, mm-hmm. uh, some authors considered the Kugo to be a special case of hereditary lepers, uh, that the disease was just kind of concentrated in them. However, another writer said that maybe what happens, maybe the birth of the Kugo when the records were appearing in the 10th century started when people who were already infected uh, with something and considered lepers banded together on the periphery of a town in solidarity uh, and to, yeah, to make their own, make their own village. Yeah. And that later, you know, their descendants, uh, were affected by the stigma of the disease, even though they didn't carry it. They just came from that crappy home situation. So the, the weird thing is though, that aside from, you know, these vestigial traits or these vestigial rules of, you know, don't touch stuff with your hands, don't go through the same door, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, people seem to interact. They seem to exist in the community. You know, if they were doing woodworking, you would still take a table from the person. Yeah. Somehow, somehow the wood was fine. <laughs> somehow the wood was fine. Yeah. Uh, also, we know that groups of Kago were proven not to have leprosy. In 1600, after decades of dispute, people complained of discrimination. Kago complained of subs- uh, discrimination to parliament, and they gave them a thorough medical examination. Mm-hmm. They examined 22 people, all carpenters or joiners, and they exams at this time were not, were not the uh, turn your head and cough inconveniences of the modern age, 
These people had their bodies palpated, their arms were bled, uh, they applied uh, heated cups to them to check their circulation, and the doctors came back with the results and they said, well, these are just ordinary people. Uh, they're fine, they're in, uh, the quote is, they're in all health in their body, exempt from all contagious maladies and without any disposition to those maladies requiring them to be separated from the company of other healthy people. So they blew it out of the water. Yeah, they didn't find any, quote, peculiar diseases. But leprosy at the time was not considered purely a f- specific physical ailment. In earlier years, it was more of a umbrella or catch-all description for possibly a spiritual thing. So your, your body could be fine, but you might be morally or spiritually leprous. That's why they could go were also occasionally called white lepers which is just a very unappealing name. Yeah, I dislike that. Well, could it simply be that they were discriminated against because they were poor? We know that the uh, state of the poor in France and Spain at the time was uh, the social position was very, very different. It was considered an affront to have to see the poor. Yeah, but then there are accounts, at least from that 1848 reference that I gave, mm. where the poor people, the peasants, are the ones who are um, pr- prosecuting yeah. the Kago. They're the most opposed. Yeah. So that's a chicken and egg thing. Was their poverty a result of this dis- discrimination or was the discrimination a result of the poverty? I tend to think the former, but – you're right, and we see this in modern societies today too. If you want people to be satisfied with their position in an unfair hierarchy, all you have to do is put uh, at least one more rung on the ladder below them. Yep. Give them someone to look down on, and they will stop looking up to wonder what's happening at the top. That is unfortunate and too true. Too true. Uh, it seems that later – the rise of racially based accusations like, oh, these swarthy more soldiers mm-hmm. or whatever, uh, that they came about after the decline of, uh, leprosy, after the decline of physical threat from disease, meaning that the racism happened afterwards to rationalize the pre existing prejudice. Wow, man. You know, I, that's so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> It's so disturbing. If it's not one thing, it's another. Well, what I've found, what I found is that the way a lot of these, uh, what these rumors that mm-hmm. we discussed earlier and all these things that the Kago were purportedly to be able to do and mm-hmm. smell like and all these things, a lot of it was handed down through songs that were the, they called them party songs mm-hmm. that would be spread in a, probably a tavern. Where it's the, again, the peasants all drinking together. And this makes so much sense to me now, Ben. Drinking together, mm-hmm. singing about the rung of the ladder that's below them uh, to make themselves feel better. <laughs> I, I can totally see that now as Pierre in the tavern. Uh, wow, this that is really disturbing. Yeah. Oh, no kidding. And here's, here's another thing. Next question, right? We, we're probably never going to have an answer about what, where this group of people came from, where they actually came from, and why 
they were originally persecuted. We just have those best guesses. Mm-hmm. And sadly, we are probably not going to find out because I know there's so many people in the audience now who are probably yelling at the speaker, DNA, you guys. Mm-hmm. Just do the DNA test. Fantastic point. If there were someone to do a DNA test on, you can read probably the most recent thing you can read about this disappearing group of people is an article in the independent uh, from about 2008, where one, uh, one woman from the French Pyrenees, Marie Pierre, huh? mm-hmm. Menet Beuza is talking about her ancestry. At the time, she was a 40-something mother of three, and she was being billed as the last living Kago. Or at least the last known. The last one who will admit to being Kago. Mm-hmm. And they say it's a bad thing. She said it's still a bad thing in the mountains in 2008. Uh, the French are ashamed of what they did. The Kago are ashamed of what they were. And no one will confess that they are of Kago descent. So... This means that, uh, this means that this entire concept, whatever it was based on, is disappearing because now the, the conspiracy has shifted. It went from mainstream French communities conspiring to essentially make life hell and keep these people at the bottom of the social barrel to a conspiracy by those people's descendants, by the Kago descendants, to escape and erase their past, just like that guy in Gattaca, played by Ethan Hawke. Great movie. <laughs> thank you, man. <laughs> hey, thank you. Thank you, Ethan. To Hawk. go back to, <laughs> to go back to, um, Marie Pierre really fast. Yes. At the very end of that article, mm-hmm. she, they're asking about her children because she has several children. Yeah. And the big thing she says is she's like, no, I can't show you pictures of my children because of the stigma mm-hmm. it remains mm-hmm. so much in this area today you can't you can't even know what my children look at just in case and she also says that Kigo she's one of the people who says that Kigo are described as swarthy mm-hmm. or as darker skinned pestiferous yes they called the pestiferous people which has an unfortunate ring to it and with this we, uh, with this, we end our narrative of the Kago, this, the shifting social conspiracy, first of a group, uh, of a mainstream group to essentially enslave, socially, uh, bind mm-hmm. a group, and then that group's collective effort to end itself. Well, it's a very successful effort to do so. But these are not the only vanishing people in the world. Uh, we know that there are several other examples, right? The Aromanians uh, and the Russians, uh, who are both mentioned in the article in The Independent. Uh, the Aromanians, um, they date back to Roman colonization. They're spread across the southern Balkans, but they're believed to be almost extinct or their cultural identity. And Evidence of their culture lives on uh, with some Grecian festivals. And then the uh, the Rusians are, uh, they're around uh, 1.2 million expected to, or estimated to live in Europe. Over half of them are in the Ukraine. Uh, they're not recognized by Ukraine 
because of the communist regime of the 50s. And that's the time their church was also eradicated. Mm. But but they're responsible for a lot of those beautiful wooden churches that you can see in the area. One of the points here is that our species doesn't, you know, just lose memories, doesn't just lose cities, which we've covered, doesn't just lose civilizations. No, it also loses entire cultures, entire Groups of people who who are alike by blood, who are also alike uh, by language and by custom. You know, Ben, one of the other things we lose are uh, entire animal species. I know that's another podcast, but. Yeah, that's another podcast, too. Uh, and it's true, unfortunately. But it is also true that now in the modern age, we have the ability to preserve some of this stuff and we have the ability uh thanks to the rise of easily affordable recording technology to preserve some piece of the past some knowledge some essence of the days and the people that came before and that's why uh i would suggest this is just my opinion, but I would suggest to all of you out there listening to this, whether in 2016 or 2106, uh, don't hesitate to, if you have older family members or if you have someone older in your community and you think that that community is not long for this world, because it happens. Every civilization rises and falls. You can easily take a second to just interview them and record their answers. And it's something that you will like and and your kids will like and on and on, on and on. And nobody has to be a cattle witcher. So with that being said, before we head out today, it's time for our shout out corner. We have a single shout out to give today. It is from redacted. That's uh, what I'm going to call that. Uh, and here it goes. I'm a military psychiatrist currently in residency training. So when you ask for stories from people who use mind altering drugs in the military, well, it's kind of my thing regarding drugs in general, all active duty personnel get randomly drug tested frequently. And unless you have very good medical reason to be on a drug, you're likely going to be dishonorably discharged. Yeah. We're going to continue reading just some excerpts from redacted's email, uh, which is fantastic, by the way. He says, or she says, regarding uppers, yes, some are still used, but to a substantially lesser degree than you might su suspect. Uh, Provigil, uh, which is the brand name for Modafinil, uh, is a non-amphetamine stimulant vastly preferred over amphetamine derivatives. We still don't know exactly how it works, but it seems to simulate alpha brainwave activity while decreasing delta and theta waves, effectively simulating wakefulness. Regarding amphetamines, while ADHD is still probably underdiagnosed, chances are if you've made it through basic training, you don't need ADHD meds. Personally, I hate them. I've seen several sailors and Marines get kicked out of the service after getting caught using them to try and boost their performance. I've also seen several service members get tipped over into a frank psychosis that appears to have been triggered by amphetamine overdoses. It's scary, it's dangerous, and I keep my sailors as far away from this stuff as possible. And then about battlefield medications. 
All sorts of really crazy stuff goes down in a firefight. Sometimes you cannot afford to lose a rifleman no matter what the cause. We have combinations of common medicines that can keep a trigger puller in the fight for longer than nature would allow, but it's a last-ditch kind of move and deeply frowned upon by almost all medical professionals. That is fascinating, that that one in particular. Uh, he talks about nootropics, which may be something that you heard from the Joe Rogan podcast or somewhere else. That's how I heard about them. And the person writing this email says, I have personally cared for patients that have had substantially catastrophic reactions from trying to get a, quote, Bradley Cooper in limitless, unquote, state. And these people have crashed and burned on the way there. I strongly advise that patients avoid this type of supplement or medication. So uh, it finishes up talking about withdrawal. Uh, it said, in the vast majority of cases, morphine withdrawal cannot kill you. They say it's awful, it's painful, it's grotesque, but unlikely to be life-threatening. Nowhere near as dangerous as opiate overdose. Uh, and so it says, hope that helps. If you have any other questions about medicine, psychiatry, or the military, particularly military me- medicine, I'd be happy to share what I can. Thanks so much for writing in, Redacted. We uh, appreciate <laughs> we appreciate your time immensely. Truly, uh, thank you. Yeah, and uh, we'd like to hear from you, ladies, gentlemen, other uh, folks identifying otherwise, werewolves, witches, cattle witchers. Uh, write Please, to us. Please, definitely those. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook and Twitter, where we are Conspiracy Stuff. Uh, we're a Conspiracy Stuff show on Instagram. And if you would like to send an email to us directly, you are in luck. We are. Conspiracy at HowStuffWorks.com Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep.
This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.